0: You were up on Facebook today. We told you we're going to spend one more week on the aspect of joy as we look at attaining completion in God. But there's a story of a little girl who one day crawled up in the lap of her grandfather, looked up at him with those big, beautiful eyes, and made a request, simple request, and just said, Grandpa, he said, will you make a noise like a frog? He was puzzled by this. He says, what? Just, could you make a noise like a frog? And so he said, he thought, he thought about it for a minute. He said, well, I guess so. So he goes, ribbit, ribbit. And she was just ecstatic. She was thrilled and she hopped down off of his lap, ran into the kitchen and said, mom, mom, we're going to Disney World. She kept hollering over and over. Mom, mom, we're going to Disney World. What do you mean we're going to Disney World? Well, you said, as soon as Grandpa croaks, Oh, my. But joy came into her life, didn't it? (laughs) We've been looking at joy the last number of weeks. Events can bring happiness into our life. Events can make us seem joyful. Events can make us seem sad. But the joy that comes from God is a joy that is greater than events is greater than the things that happen around us and sustains us and carries us through. We're going to look at a story. And as I look back on my notes, I see that we haven't covered this for about five years. At least not really getting into the the story. So we're going to take a look at 1 Samuel in the 30th chapter. And a particular story with David. This is before David is king. Just in review, some of our things we looked at. Nehemiah, of course, chapter 8, verse 10 where he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. If the enemy wants to pull you down, what he needs to do is to get at your joy. If the joy of the Lord is your strength, then if he can keep you out of that, he keep you in weakness. And a weak enemy is far easier to defeat than a strong one. So we looked at some of the things to do with that. First off, we need to change our attitudes. Get our attitude out of being sorrowful. We need to change our actions. Do the things that make you feel good. Do those kind of things that make you feel good. Change your conversations. These are all things we can do. You can change your attitude. You can change your actions. You can change your conversation. And these are the kind of things. Look for opportunities there all around you. All around you. To change your attitude. You can say, oh, wait a minute. This is a bad attitude that's coming down upon me. Get rid of the thing. This is a, a bad conversation I'm having. This is pulling me down. Well, get rid of the conversation. Change it into something else. Actions are great for bringing you joy. But you got to look around for them. They are there. You have to get outside of yourself and begin to act on behalf of other people even. That will help bring you joy. There was a situation I had yesterday that um, I was going to... You all know I, know I love, love to run. I was going to go for a particularly long run. And my my goal was to go on down to the park. There's a park around a lake, and I was going to run the uh, loop around there a couple of times and get some miles that way. But the problem with the park is it closes at dusk. And so uh, by the time I was getting there ready and had the opportunity to go out there, I thought, well, by the time I get there, run, come on back. The, the park's going to be closed, and they have gates, and they close the gates, and you know, I may not be able to get out. So I said, all right, we'll rework this. And I said, oh, I'm just going to run a, a different way. So I went up on the 202 bypass but went a different direction. And as I'm running down this direction, about a quarter mile out, out the road, out towards Bristol Road, there was a, a van, many mini, little mini-vans, parked on the side of the road, flashers going. Well, I'm thinking, well, somebody must be disabled. I wonder if it's somebody I need. You know, I have my phone. I can always call, so I'm waiting about all this. And on the other side of the road, I notice that there is a woman who is walking on the opposite side of the road of where the van is. Now, this is puzzling. I'm thinking, all right, why is the person getting out of the car? And why are they walking up the side of the road? Because if you've been on the 202 bipeds, this is not a place that uh, people walk on unless you're on the the path where there's the the running spot. So I'm I'm looking at this and seeing a van over here and this woman over here, you know, still about a quarter mile up the road. And I'm thinking, oh, I know it. I'll bet something came out of her car. Something maybe flew out the window or something like that. So just as I'm thinking that, I notice on the road is a phone. In a particular kind of case. And at the time, no one is driving on this side of the road, but they're about to. There's a bunch of, road, bunch of people coming on down. You know, two or two kind of comes in waves. And, uh, come. So I hop out on the road, pick up the phone, and jump over to the other side of the street where there is no path to run on and stuff like that, but that's where she is. So I, um, I picked up the phone and ran on down and cut off the distance where she had to walk. Ran on down. I'm going down there anyway. So, so I walk on down there, and she's just smiling, and I'm holding the phone up because I figured out what she was looking for. She says, yeah, I had it on my car, and it fell off. <laughs> I don't know how she noticed it, but you know how sometimes you lay something on the car and it just had kind of fell, fallen off, so I handed that to her. still looked like it was in good shape, didn't look like it got hurt or anything like that, had one of those real thick cases on it to keep it going, and so I handed it off to her, went back on up and running. but you know what? That brought joy to my life. It probably brought joy to hers, too, that, some, uh, some, that the phone was still working. <laughs> how many of you all know if you lost your phone on the road and it's still working, that brings you some joy? I get you some, but it brought joy to my life just to just to have that. Now it was a bunch of things that brought me into that place, and I just had to be you had to be there just at the right time. But I was there, and I was able to do it, and I felt good for that. Oh, I was able to help somebody on out and, and cut down how much they had to walk and leave their car out over there on the side of the road because there is no place on the side of the road to park your your van on two hundred two. You're kind of in a in a bad spot. But look for those kind of opportunities. We've had people in church. They get up and they talk about people who. Um, were in line, didn't have money to pay for their, their stuff and they were able to help them out with that. That brings you joy. Brings them joy, brings you joy. Look for opportunities like this. Change your actions. Find actions that you can do that will bring you joy. They'll carry you through for the day. And then tomorrow you'll have another opportunity to find somebody that you can help, somebody that you can do. And along the way, someone's going to come along and help you out too. Glory to God for that. But look for these things. Change your actions. Change your attitudes. Change your conversations. Your joy depends on what's in you, not what happens around you. Keep that principle in mind. Now, last week, we looked at Paul and Silas, and we looked at how we can maintain our joy, that despite the things that were going on, they maintain the joy of the Lord, so they're in the inner prison at midnight, singing praises to God, so that the prisoners heard them. Beyond maintaining our joy today, we're going to take a look at how to regain it. If you have had a situation where you lost your joy... Your joy is gone. Maybe even right now, the joy of the Lord just seems like it's gone. Or you know the times during the week, events have happened and it just takes it away. What can you do to regain that joy? And we're going to learn this from David. Verse 1, chapter 30 in 1 Samuel. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag, that's their home base, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. Now the reason they didn't kill anyone was because there was no defense. There was no fight because no one was left to defend the city. Now just think about this and relate to, to our situation. We have, if, what happens if someone comes and robs your house? What do you usually do? Now some of you might be saying go down go down to the closet and get the gun. that might be, if you have a gun in your house, you might be thinking of that. But most people will be picking up the phone, cell phone somewhere and dialing 911. And you're hoping that the police officer will be, police officers will say more than one, will be coming on the the property and uh, and taking care of of what's going on in there. And hopefully pretty soon. Did you ever hear that story out in Texas where a a neighbor was asked to watch the house because he was going on vacation? And as he's watching the house, he notices that uh, there are two men who came over and they were robbing his neighbor's house while he was not home. So he's on the phone. This is a real story. This is not a funny story. This is a real story. He's on the phone with 911 calling them and says, yeah, there's two guys that are robbing my neighbor's house. And uh, they said, well, okay, sir. Well, please just stay where you are. Don't go outside. And uh, the police officer should be there in five or ten minutes. He says, five or ten minutes, they'll be gone by then. And you hear the door open and him going outside says, sir, please stay in the house. He says, no, I've been, uh, my neighbor asked me to watch his house. And if you guys aren't going to get somebody here, I'm going to take care of this. And then you hear the shotgun. (laughs) And uh, well, apparently the people who were robbing the house heard him and they heard the, the shotgun. And so they left what they were doing. they came over in his direction and as they came over in his direction he shot them well it's all recorded on the 911 tape <laughs> and well what's more than that not only was it recorded on the 911 tape but the police officer got there earlier he was standing he was in his car out front and watched the whole thing transpire <laughs> so he was the witness that what was done it was in self defense and and I, I don't remember the story well enough to know if he uh, killed the guys or just wounded them or whatever it was but took care of the situation but that, how many of you don't know, no, that'll get the police to arrive a little bit quicker. But we have that ability, don't we? We can call the police. Now, in David's day, they didn't have that ability. There was no police to call. You had to have enough strength to hold off an attack in order to keep that going. And they left no one behind. And so they came on in. They just took all the women, all the children, all the stuff, anything that was valuable. They took it out and then they burned the city. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters, they had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Now, what would you say about their joy? I'd say it's gone. Their strength is gone. Their joy is gone. They are sad. They don't know what to do right now. This is is everything they had. All their stuff, their wives, their children... Everything is gone, and no insurance, no ability to recover, just gone. They don't even know who did it. That'd be a tough place to be. Now I put in your outline this: joy is a product. Joy is something that is produced. Now a product, according to the dictionary, is this: a person or thing produced by or resulting from a process as a natural, social, or historical one. It's a result. That's a product. Joy is a product. It is a result of certain things. It says here, now it happened. Now something happened to interfere with that process. How many of you have been in a situation, maybe even this week, where now it happened? (laughs) They lifted up their voices. They wept until they had no more power to weep. That may be a little bit stronger than what you went through. But instead of producing joy, now what are they producing? They're producing sorrow. Sorrow can be produced. You can produce sorrow in your life. You can produce joy. You can produce sorrow. It just depends on what you're going to to be doing. Now, how did the end product become different? How does the end product become different? Have you, have you ever? Has anybody ever been involved in a process or a, a, a factory that produces things? And there's a process that's involved. The only time I really have ever been involved with that. Uh, that I can think of where I saw the whole process was over at Kelchner's Horseradish and we were making horseradish and we had a production line. I didn't get put on the production line too much. Most of the time I was out in sales, but every once in a while I get put on the production line if uh, they didn't have a place for me to go in the truck and they let me get my hours in. So I would uh, show up there on the production line and sometimes we'd be making horseradish. Sometimes we'd be making cocktail sauce and sometimes we'd be making tartar sauce. I did not like making tartar sauce. Not that I didn't like the taste of tartar sauce. Tartar sauce involved a lot of mayonnaise. And what most people don't know is tartar sauce involves a lot of static electricity. I got the worst, one of the worst shocks in my life making tartar sauce. And we went into a plastic gallon and they told you, they told me, no, I'm not in there all the time, it's, they're, they just normally do this. They say, before you go up and you're doing gallons of tartar sauce, they're in a plastic container. How many of y'all know what plastic does with electricity? They're in a plastic container. It says, do not grab the plastic container before you discharge yourself of electricity. Because you're walking around the floor, you generate static electricity. And so um, I generally tried to do that, but there was one time in particular, I did not do that. And I'm rushing around, moving around, doing things, and I took my hands, and I grabbed hold of that tartar sauce. They said they saw the ark. <laughs> And it went right through me. I jumped back. Woo! <laughs> that, was, that was a little much. <laughs> but you see, it changes. What you're going to do changes. There's, there's cocktail sauce to make. There's horseradish to make. There's different things to make in that process. And your process changes what you have to do. When, the, uh, when you're making horseradish, all you've got to do is keep dumping horseradish into the bin. And it comes down into the jars, and you just keep on going. As long as you have horseradish to put into the bin, it just keeps on going through. Cocktail sauce, you have to make the batch in the bin. So things shut down for a little bit while you're making that batch and putting it into the bin. But it's a process. So if you want cocktail sauce, you have to take the ingredients for cocktail sauce and put it into the bin. If you want tartar sauce, you have to take the ingredients for tartar sauce put it into the bin. If you want horseradish, you've got to take the ingredients for horseradish, put it into the bin, and then out comes the right thing. And you are producing... What you want to produce. Well, we don't always realize this. There's a process with joy, there's a process with sorrow. And if you follow the wrong procedure, you're going to get the wrong thing. Now, I put an acronym in here, but I forgot to put the letters in. So if you want to put the acronym in for your own self, you can just do the acronym of PIES. P I E S. How many of y'all know there's an art to making pies? I could have your recipe for making pies. And follow the recipe to a T and the pie would not come out as good as you do it. There's a reason for it. There are some intangibles. There are some things that go on with making. Pies are hard, more and more difficult things to make. It's not like a cake. Cake's kind of easy. Pie, not so much. How many of you all know there are some people out there who make really good pies and some people who make, eh. There are some restaurants you go to who are known for their pies. And other ones that you go to that you don't necessarily order one. So here's the thing to keep us in mind of this. The first off, the P is the process. There is a process to making the thing. And you need to follow that process. If you're going to make the pie, uh, the pie crust, you've got to start with, in the, in the order in which it goes, don't mess up the order. There's a process of how you do it. You've got to follow that process. And I don't know, I haven't made pies. I don't think I've ever made pies. I enjoy pies. But I enjoy them more when other people who know what they're doing make them. You know, the, my pie is not going to look all that great. But other people who would do this, they'll tell you, you know, you start putting the flour out there and the egg and the whatever else you've got to put in there. No, don't do it like that. You've got to do it this way. And they'll tell you the, the proper way to do it. There's a process. You've got to follow that process of how that you do it. You got Number two is, is the ingredients. There are ingredients to a good pie. You can get good ingredients. You can get mediocre ingredients. You can, you, know, you can have fresh berries. You can have frozen berries. Which one do you think will be better? You can have fresh apples. You can have canned apples. Which ones do you think will be better? For those of you who like peach pies, I am not a fan of peach. I don't like peach tea. I don't like peach pies. I don't like peach cobbler. I don't care what you make out of it. I don't like peaches. That's just me. Other people, especially in my family, love peaches. They love peach tea. They like peach cobbler. They like peach pies. They can have it all. I'm not even tempted by the thing. I just don't, don't like it. But if you like peaches, fresh peaches I'm sure are better than canned. Ingredients make a difference. You've got to have the right ingredients. Here's the third one, effort. You can have all the right ingredients and all the right process and not go at it as hard as you should. Not have the right effort. Here's the final one, skill. Because some people are just better at making pies. But your skill can improve. You can get your skill level to be better. First off, you've got to be willing to make a bad pie. And as you make a bad pie, you can learn how to make a better pie. And you can get that process going so that you, the pies come out better than they were before. So the process, the ingredients, the effort, and the skill. you got to make sure you have these things going on. Let's take a look at what happens here in verse 5. And David's two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelites, and Ab- Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now, I don't know if this was intentional or not. But I want you to notice this. What caused David grief? It specifically mentions that his two wives were taken captive. But what caused David's grief? Verse 6. Now, David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. That's what brought David's grief in. Not... The absence of his wife. Wives. Isn't that right? Because we talked about the wives and then we talked about the grief. What brought in the grief for his men? David's not talking about stoning them, so that's not it. What brought about the grief for the men? Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. This is not a a biblical principle here. But isn't it interesting that none of them are grieving because of their wives? They may not be grieving for them either. Don't know. (laughs) But it just seems funny that they talk about the wives being taken, but what caused them grief was the absence of the sons and the daughters. What caused David grief was the fact they were talking about stoning him. Now, right or wrong, it doesn't matter. That's what is listed in here. It does not matter what causes your grief. Whether it is right or whether it is wrong. All that matters is that it's causing you grief. We got to get rid of that grief. David is in grief. His men are in grief. In their grief, they want to stone David. They want to get rid of him. That would be a bad decision. How many of y'all know that would be a bad decision? These men have been made better because of David. Now they want to take him out. Because of an incident. And they don't even know why it came about. Now we don't know what all went on in here. Did his men talk to David? David, we shouldn't leave the city without some people. And David said, no, we need to have everybody along for this. We don't know if anything like that went on. But whatever it was, the men were mad at David. And they were grieved because they lost all their sons and their daughters. Now what is needed for for joy? What kind of ingredients, what kind of process is needed in order for you to have joy in your life. Well, the first thing that we're going to see is that in order for you to have joy in your life, and this is what is lacking here with these guys, they all think it's the absence of their sons and their daughters. They think it's the presence of men that are upset with them to the point that they want to stone them. That's what they think their grief is. But the real reason for grief in their life is the absence of hope. David has no hope. The men have no hope. Our, our sons and our daughters are gone. Who will carry on our name? Who will pick up our inheritance? This is very important to these folks. Who will have this, these kind of things that is gone? What is needed for joy? Hope instead of despair. We need to have hope instead of despair. So if we have despair in our life, we're not going to have joy. We've got to get hope brought back in. Here's the second thing. Faith Instead of fear. Faith instead of fear. When you lose hope, fear very much can come in. If you lose hope that your job will continue. That your economic status will continue. That your family will continue. If you lose hope, if you, if you lose hope in that, then faith is, can go away. Remember, faith is a substance of things hoped for. So you need to have something in your life that you hope for and faith in it. If you do not have something in your life that you hope for and faith in it, joy will not be in your life. You won't have that. Up until this day, his men and David had hope. They had faith. They had faith in God. They had hope. God was taking care of them. That they, uh, that they were going places and every place they went, they were successful. They had hope and they had faith. But instead of faith now they had fear. Instead of hope they had despair. Here's the third one promises instead of so called realism. How many have ever met people? Well I'm a realist. I'm a realist. If it's not real No, the promises of God, sometimes we look at those things and we say, Well that's a promise, but it's not real. I don't I don't have that. You know the promise of God is that you are healed promise of God is that you have health all your days. That's a promise from God. But well, that's what the promise is. But I'm a realist. This is how it's really going on. And we talk about how it's really going on. And that's why you have no hope and no faith. Because you decided I'm going to be a realist. And if I can't see it, if I don't touch it, if I don't hold it, it isn't mine. That's not the kind of thing that you should have going on. That's not what should be happening in your in your life. Now, we got to make sure that we have hope and God's hope, not just our own hope, but God's hope. So we've got to go over the Word of God. We've got to go over the promises in the Word of God. Father, what have you promised me in your Word? Now, think of it this way. Most of us have the hope of heaven, no matter how bad things are in this life. We have the hope of heaven. I have faith that what the Bible says about heaven is true. I read about how he has gone away to prepare a mansion for me prepare a place for me and I have faith in that therefore I have hope that when I get to heaven I've got a place. I've got a hope that heaven is a good place and a better place than it is down here. And we think especially along election time dear God I just want to get in your presence. I want to have a ruler like you instead of the ones we keep getting stuck with. And And we have that hope. But that hope gives when we think about that hope in heaven how many does it bring you joy? Makes you joy. You're glad. Oh, I just think about that day when Jesus comes, takes me away. We are caught up in heaven and we live for Him forever. Oh, this has to be so good. We have hope. brings us joy just to think about that. Well, that's how you should be for the other promises of God, too. Because that hope and the faith I have in it will produce joy on the inside. Because How does it produce the joy? There has to be a process, right? Because I meditate upon the promise renewing my faith in it. I know that's going to be. I know that's going to be. Yes, sir, that's, that's, that's mine. That is mine now. I have that hope. I have that faith in that. Therefore, it produces something on the inside of me. It's called joy. I get happy about it. That's how God wants us to go. You look at the promises that are in the Word of God, we look at the promise of healing. Many times, even Christian people who know about faith in His Word are going around and saying, well, I hope I'm healed. That's not biblical hope. That's wishing hope. That's world hope. We don't, we don't go around talking about that. We go around, I am healed. Jesus Christ has healed me. Well, what's that pain in your body? What's that sickness that you're battling? And we have a hard time with that. Well, you know, I, I don't know. And so sometimes we just want to go around we want to deny what's going on in our, our body. You don't have to deny what's going on in your body. That doesn't mean that the hope isn't right. You have the hope of heaven. You have the hope of a mansion that God is making for you in heaven. That doesn't mean the house that you have here now is limiting the house that you have coming. Just because what you have right now doesn't mean that it's going to change what you have in the future. Don't let it go that way. That's the enemies. He wants to mess with the process. He wants to mess with the ingredients. He wants to mess with the process because if he can do that, he can cut off the joy. If he cuts off the joy, he cuts off the strength. You're not walking in the strength of God anymore. If he cuts off the strength, now you're easy game. So he's got to mess with the process. You've got to affect the process. You can't be looking at the promise. You've got to look at what you have now. You've got to be a realist. People are going to laugh at you if you're, if you're that way. And he gets you to stop f- focusing on the promises, meditating on the promises. No, no, you need, to, you need to meditate on this. And it'll feed you things from the world. It'll feed you stuff from the world about the economy, about your job, about your company that you work for. It's going to feed you things about how your investments are working. Feed you things about stuff that might happen to your kids. Feed you stuff. Get you to think on those things instead of the promise of God. Because He wants to affect your joy. He wants to get you to not produce joy. But you can produce joy right where you're at. Inside yourself. That's how you can keep your joy full. Just keep producing more joy. Just keep making more joy. More and more joy. Any factory that produces stuff has trucks that show up to take the, what they make and ship it out. They have excess. If you're a factory worth, worthwhile, you make more than what you need. You're not just making enough horse riders to satisfy the people that are working in the plant. That won't get you by. You've got to make more and get it out to the, to the people around. Whatever it is that you're making, you've got to make more than you need. And you've got to get it out. And put it out. That's how the process goes. But if they can interfere with the process. How many of y'all know Samsung had something that interfered with their process? They put a phone out. How many of y'all know the Note 7 came out? I've never had a Note phone. But I heard the reviews on the Note 7. I thought, boy, if I'm tempted to get a new phone, that would be something i will have to take a look at. Even though it's a bigger phone than I generally like to have. They, they did the reviews on that thing. That, the, the camera is probably still, despite what else is out there, the best camera on a phone ever. Ever. That includes any phone that you're talking about right now. That camera there was made by a manufacturer who does not normally make camera phones. And they made this. Oh, boy, did they hit this one out of the park. They put some things into this phone. Their charging system was out of this world. Apparently a little bit too much. But have you ever heard of fast charging? You know, in 15 minutes, you get like 8 hours, 10 hours worth of stuff. Well, they took that fast charging technology and they put it into wireless technology. So it was the first wireless fast charging phone out there. Now, of course, it didn't work out so well. We had a few phones that um, had some problems. So they ended up recalling all of them. That's expensive. I don't know. I think I heard the, the final tally on that was either $3 million or $3 billion or something like that that they... They lost in the whole process. That's, that's quite a bit. Their process got messed up. And even though they're putting these things out, it all had to come back because something had, had gone wrong. Don't know what went wrong in it, but um, something went, went wrong in that whole thing and all that was brought back. So that was not a good process for them. But that's not how it works with God. If you put the right ingredients in, follow the process that He gives you, put the effort in, don't just sit around and just wait for it to happen. But put that effort in. Work at it. And what's going to happen? You're going to produce joy. Now, here's the thing. You keep following the process with the right ingredients and putting the effort in. Your skill level is going to soar. You are going to get so good at producing joy. Your skill level will increase. And you will learn, oh, I know how to produce joy now. See, in the beginning, you're kind of, I'm not sure about it. Your skill isn't there but then you get better at it. Anything that you've done, how many of you all gotten better at it? You, you can get better. I've never taken this thing on, but have you ever seen anybody who knows how to tie knots? Now, most of us who go out and tie knots, we have two knots that we tie. And when, no, no matter what situation we're in, we redraw from one of those two knots and we bring that, that in. We have the one that we tie our shoelaces with, you know, a little bow in there, and then we have the other one, most of the time they call it a granny. It's not a square knot, it's a, it's a granny knot. How many of y'all know what a square knot is? There's a square knot, which is an incredibly strong knot, has a certain functionality to it, and then there's a granny. That's when you mess up. But there's a certain way to get it to be a square knot. There's other knots that go together so fast and undo real easy, but have a strength that is with them. There are some knots that they are called slip knots, and the, uh, the loop that it forms will actually move back and forth, and there's other knots that the loop won't move at all you just got to know how to do it. There's one knot that you can tie a ship to a, to a dock with and it won't give up. It won't let it go. And there's other ones you can tie and that boat will float away. <laughs> that ship will, will float away. There's ones you can tie your horse. They used to do this in the West real fast. Tie your horse to the post and that, that horse cannot get away. But you could also do it the wrong way and your horse wandered off. But you see, the better you get at the knot... The faster you can do those things, not even thinking about it. Now I know what a square knot should look like. I know what, it, and, but I'm still I don't do it often enough, so I'm still all right this way and then this one and and uh, you know it's a great all right well we'll just flip it around and do it the other way and usually that that works it gets me there because a the square knot if you tie a square knot you ever, you ever done tug of war if you have a square knot you do tug of war you are not pulling that thing apart if you got a granny you can probably pull it apart but a square knot it isn't coming apart. But, it comes apart, but if, when you want it to, it comes apart real easy. Just all kinds of knots. You can get real good at it. You can develop the skill. How do you develop the skill? By going through the process. Tying that knot. Getting that thing going. It's a process that God has for you to produce joy. You should practice it every day. You should go at it every day. Even when you don't need joy. When you feel like, I'm pretty full of joy, you should practice the process just to get better at it. Besides, if you have too much joy, it just overflows. Where's it go? Usually goes into the people around you. It's hard to be around a joyful person and not feel more joyful yourself. So just keep producing the joy. Just go through the process. And this is the process. Get the promise of God. Think on the promise of God. Let it develop a hope in you. As you develop that hope, put faith into that hope. I know that thing is coming. I know that thing is mine. It'll produce joy. See, sickness and disease, you can have it produce joy. You can have it produce sorrow. If you go around saying, well, I keep hoping that I'll be healed, but it just keeps coming back on me. I just keep getting the same. No matter what, it just keeps seeming to come on back on me. It just seems to come on around. I'm so tired of this thing. I don't want this thing in my life. You see, we're not meditating on the promise. We're getting sorrowful. Our strength is being drained. If our strength is being drained, how are you going to go, out, go and battle the thing that you're fighting? You don't do that. You follow the word of God. What's the word of God said? By his stripes, ye will be healed. Were healed. I was healed. If I was healed, that means I am. I am now healed. Well, the devil will come along and say, you don't feel healed, do you? I say, no. (laughs) But I know I am. You see, I have the hope. I renew myself on the hope. I get that faith built up. When I put faith with the hope, it produces joy. What's the joy bring with it? strength. What do I need to get rid of that thing in my life? The strength from God. You've got to keep renewing yourself on that. Don't let yourself get down. I, I've, I've let you in on the process of uh, every time that I go through it in the area of healing. In the, you know, I, I like to run. I push the envelope on the thing. I'm probably, I, I do more miles than most people my age. We have a run group. There is no one in the run group, not a single person who runs as much as I do, and I am older than most of them. I push the envelope. I expect to push the envelope. I am not pushing the envelope as much as I want. My dream of, of where I like to be in my I don't have the time for, because you know, got to put time in other things. But I love to, I love to go every once in a while. I get something that goes goes off, flatters me. And you know what the enemy wants to try and do? You won't be running anymore. You shouldn't be running like you are. You're running too much. And I start telling you. And if I meditate on those things, then I'm not getting the promises of God. What's the promise of God tell me? That your youth will be renewed like the eagle. I I tend to hold on to those. I meditate on those. But there's still times that certain things are are going on. I don't have a joint giving me a problem in the world right now. Nothing. Every joint is strong. Functional, but I got some muscles that just weren't responding too well and for two months my mileage dropped down by about 25 percent it wasn't wasn't real good i wasn't wasn't liking this i was, I'm struggling to get out there in September and October or yeah September and October were tough months I'm sorry August and September were tough months for me I would get myself out there but the the leg was tight my mileage uh, pace slowed down a whole lot you know what the enemy wants to get me to think on? He wants me to get me to think on failure. It's not going to work. You're not going to overcome this thing with a, with a muscle. <clears throat> and so he wants to get me to think on. No, I said, I'm not, not going to think of that. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I dropped down to because it was still more than most people did. But now this past month, finally got it back up. This past month, got it back up to, it'll be the third highest monthly total I had this year. And uh, next month will be better. We'll get even, even more. I'll hit my goal. I have a goal for the end of the year and I'm going to hit it. I'm only about 350 miles off from it and we'll get there to that, to that goal easily. Probably go over it. But the whole time, I have a choice. I can either meditate on what the promises of God are or I can meditate on what my body is telling me. Which one do you want to meditate on? So I'd rather meditate on the promise of God. What's the promise of God telling me? What's it saying? So I go out there and I run. And what do I, what do I say to myself? We can do this. Leg, you will get in line. Muscles, you will get in line. And I expect to hear from God. What do I need to do to, uh, to accomplish this, to get this thing, thing going? In fact, there's some things in, in just inside of that that um, we're getting ready for the next series already. And God is showing me some stuff. It's a concept I have known probably for over a decade. Never have taught, never once taught on this concept. And I was sharing it with somebody, just this whole concept. I've known this concept is true, just never taught on it. And I was sharing this with somebody, and they were shocked. They said, I never thought of that. I said, oh, maybe other people never thought of it. So I said, Father God, if I'm going to teach on anything like that, I've got to see it in the Word, not just know it. And all of a sudden, I saw it in all these stories in the Word of God. I saw that concept in there. So we'll, we'll look into to bringing that in, but help you, it'll help you out. How many of you are doing some things that you're thinking, I may not be able to do this for long? There may be coming a time I have to quit this. All right, that's what we're going to be working on for the next series. But that's a, I don't know when that is it's down the road. We'll get into that in the next one. I was already getting excited. Sometimes I get so excited in the next series, I want to stop this one and move on. to the. But I know we have some things to accomplish in this. Joy is important. You've got to maintain that joy. You see, going out and running, I know most people don't like to go out and run. Most people don't like to do it. It brings me joy. It's something that brings me joy. I love going out and running. I love to run. I love the pain. I love the discomfort. I love being out in the weather. I like it when it's trying to tell me, don't go out today. And I go, out. I love that whole process. You don't, don't worry about it. You're not going to get joy from that. I get joy from it. So I want to keep on doing it. I want to keep that process going. But you've got to keep the process going in your life. What are the promises that you need to hang on to? What is it that the world, what is it the enemy is trying to feed you to think on instead? Give you some other things. People should bring you joy. How many of y'all know there are some people in your life who do not bring you joy? Now, the goal of the enemy is to make those people more prominent in your life. Then the people... Who bring you joy less and less. If you keep on that process, what will happen is the enemy is able to convert your entire life so that all the people that God put in your life to help you now take away from you. We've already given you this one before. David was someone who was supposed to help Saul accomplish what God commissioned him to do, and he was a phenomenal asset. To accomplish that. He was so good at it. That people began to sing songs about him. And elevated him above Saul. And that bothered Saul. So what God gave him to be. To help him in his process. Now it bothered him. Someone who was supposed to bring him joy. Now brought him grief. Was it God? Was it David? No. It was Saul. There are a lot of people in your life. Right now. That bring you grief. That were never designed to do that. Doesn't mean everybody in your life is going to bring you joy. How many of y'all have some Pharisees in your life? Jesus had some Pharisees. They did not bring him joy. But Peter could have brought you grief if you didn't handle it right. He could have been a problem for you. Others probably as well. It could have been a problem. You don't have to be. You've got to examine the process. You've got to look at this. Father God, what am, I, what am I doing here? See, there are people in my life along the, along the course of things and some of them could have brought me grief. I just refuse to let them. Now, you're not going to bring me grief. I'm either going to drive you nuts and you're going to get out of my life or you're going to change. <laughs> Sometimes you drive them nuts and they get out of your life. That's okay. You go on with other, other people. But, you, but let God take those people and either he's going to work some stuff out of you that ought to be worked out or He's going to help you work some stuff out of their life. And you know what? Some of the greatest joy that people have brought in my life are the ones that came with a whole lot of baggage and a whole lot of problems and God was able to use me to help them get rid of it. I can sometimes still think back on some of those things. Oh, I remember so-and-so, how they were caught up in this and caught up in that and then they got free of it. Oh, that was so neat. And the way God showed me to do this or the way God told me to do this and how they responded. Oh, that was just so, so great. And I can still think back on those things and they bring me joy. Could have brought me grief but they bring me joy because I understood the process. There's a process there. Don't let the devil mess it up. Look at the ingredients. Make sure you're bringing the right ingredients in. What are the ingredients? I need hope. I need faith. Not fear. Not despair. I need hope. I need faith. So if I need more of those ingredients I go out and I get it. If you're making a pie and you need more blueberries you go over to the blueberry farm. If you're real dedicated you go over to Jersey. How many of y'all know Jersey has the best blueberries? There's a reason for it. Their soil. their soil. is a sandy soil. It produces the best best blueberries that are out there. If you really want good blueberries, go out to Jersey. There are blueberry farms all over. Probably not now they're producing them, but, you know, the, when they're producing them, they're, it's the best place to go out there and get some, get some good blueberries. But there's other places. You know, the different states are known for different things. Uh, Florida is known for oranges. If you like peaches, what state is known for peaches? See, I don't, I don't follow peaches, so. Georgia? Georgia peaches. There you go. Yeah. So if you like peaches, you've got to drive down to Georgia or know somebody down there who, who will uh, mail them up to you. And you get some Georgia peaches in there. You get some Florida oranges in, in, in what you're doing. Whatever it is, you, you want the best ones that are in there. Get the best stuff. Go into the Word of God. Pull out the things you need for hope. That's why you need to be in the Word of God on a regular basis. Even if you don't have time to read it in your mind, be going over. What does the Word of God say for me? What does it say for my situation? And go over what it says. Build that hope. Once that hope is there, have faith in it. Put faith in the hope. What's it going to produce? going to produce joy. It's going to produce some other things too, but we're just looking at joy right now. It's going to produce joy and put joy in your life. You're going to have joy flowing out. Instead of struggling to have joy, you're going to have joy flowing out of you. And no one in your life can take it away. No one in your life can take it away. Don't let the enemy tell you that they can. They cannot take it away. Don't let, well, here comes so-and-so. They're going to take away your joy. You know, they're always this way. They're always that way. No, they, they cannot take away your joy unless you let it because you are producing joy. You are a joy producer. Get the hope. Put faith in it. And, keep, and go on from there. Keep on going on there. See, the, the problem I was going through it, it, with, a, with a leg, with a, I mean, it wasn't one muscle, it was like four of them. Four of them were giving me trouble. And one of them had happened before on the other leg and it took me eight months. Eight months to get it going. I talked to some people, said, what did you ever do for this? They said, there's nothing to do for it. There's nothing to do. That doesn't build hope. So you've got to go back to the Word of God and get hope from there. And that that built hope. But um, I found some other things to do. I was listening to the Spirit. The Spirit of God would say, go out and pursue this. Go out and pursue this. Check this thing out over here. Get this thing going over here. And I did. And uh, it went away. It went away. And uh, we're, we're, we're doing good. Listen to the voice of God. But you see, I never gave in to, to the despair. Every time I'd strap on those shoes, get on that running stuff, head on out there, I'm going to have a run today. then I'm going to go. If the leg bothered me the whole way, I didn't get down about it. I stayed up. I stayed up, continued. What's the Word of God promised me? I have faith in that. I'm going to believe that. And I wasn't going to pull from it. So that me, gives me joy. And that joy brings in strength. Which means I can get rid of this thing. Because I have the strength of God coming. It's not my strength. It's his strength. It's not my joy. It's his joy. And that produces some things in my life. And you can overcome. Whatever it is that's in your life. You can overcome it. If you were an employer. Would you rather hire a depressed person. Or a joyful person. If you're an employer, would you rather hire a weak person or a strong person? If you were an employer, would you rather hire someone who sees everybody else as doing something to them or someone who doesn't view things that way? So you see, you increase your ability to be employed. You increase the the want to of people to be around you. They just want to be hanging out with you. It's like, yeah, they just have some good things. I want to be around those those folks. Get those get those promises in there. Verse seven. We haven't gotten very far with this at all, have we? Now David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the Ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the Ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue the troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Now is that a promise? That's a promise. That promise, the goal of that promise is to build hope, right? But you have to have faith in that hope in order for it to produce joy on the inside of you. If he comes out here and says, this is what the Lord said, and people say, I don't believe that, what good is it going to do in their life? Not going to do any good at all. So David and his men have to have faith in that the promise that God said for their situation is true. And when they did that, it would produce joy, which would produce a strength. Because remember, they wept until they had no no strength. How are you going to go out and fight a battle if you have no strength? They have to get strength back. How do you get that strength back? According to the Word of God, firing up the joy. You fire up the joy, you get strength. So they fired up the joy by taking the promise of God, having hope in that promise, putting faith in that hope, and then to produced something on the inside of them. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. It's too much. They got strength, but it only carried them so far, so they apparently weren't very good at producing the joy in their life. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate and let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs, two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. If you had no water, you were already sick, and no water for three days, what kind of condition are you in? You are in really bad shape. So you got to take all these men who were on the hunt to get their wives and their children back and they're stopping to take care of this little guy. How many of y'all know, if you were there, you'd be saying, can we get moving? Why are we spending so much time on this little guy right here? Uh, Let's just get going. Going in the direction we are. We're obviously in the right direction because we just passed one of their uh, servants. Let's just keep on going. See what it it comes to us. But they didn't do it. They uh, brought him back to to strength. You don't just get strong because you drank some water and ate some food. It takes a little while for, that, for your body to process that. Get that into your body, and then you're going to take a little bit more, and then a little bit more. So David said to him, to whom do you belong, and where are you from? So according to this, they don't even know where he came from. They don't even know if he's part of the group that they're after. They say, where would you come from? So they're taking care of this guy, even though they don't necessarily know that he's part of the group that they want. he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. My masters left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. Now, this will tell you something about the Amalekites. This is the ones they're after. These are the folks that they want to get. They had one of their own company who fell sick and they left them behind. What do you think they're doing to their wives and kids? Wouldn't you be thinking that if you were David and his men? Well, if they treated one of their own this way, what are they doing with those that are ours? Then maybe fear has a chance to get in. If fear gets in, what happens to your joy? It goes away. What happens to your strength? It gets sapped. We can't let that happen. We can't go that direction. But see, the enemy wants to have these things come in. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and on the southern area of Caleb and we burned Ziklag with fire. Now, he may not have known they were from Ziglag, I think if he knew they were from Ziglag, he may have... Not said it that way. But he, he says that, oh, this is, the, this is the right group. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into their hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. Now, I don't know how he did it. How does he take him down to the troop when he was left behind three days ago? Maybe he knew where they were going. Maybe he knew where they were heading to, their destination. That's all I can think of. He knew their destination, where they were going to, and so he could take them down to that. Verse 16, And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. So they're spread out all over. The reason for that is because they had taken so much spoil from Ziglag and the southern area of Judah, from all the places that it said that they they took um, stuff from, that there was too much livestock to keep everybody together. So they had to spread out in groups so that the livestock could feed. So they have all this stuff spread out. So when David and his men come in, they can attack not the whole group together, but the individual groups, one at a time. And so 400 men against this great multitude, they take on this small group here, this small group here, this small group here, this small group here, and they just keep working their way on up until they got them all. And they wiped them all out. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. What was the promise? Go and pursue them for you will recover all. What did they recover? All. Every single thing that was taken, they recovered. In fact, they even got more than that. So the king of Israel answered and said, Tell him, let not the... Oh, I I had this one. I always use this for people. You ever have people to trash talk? This is kind of what these guys are doing. They have just had this great victory, and they're acting like the war is over. No one's going to pursue them because they're all spread out. They're kind of in a defenseless situation, defenseless position, not really on guard against anybody coming in. But if you ever see, uh, you know, people in uh, sports and they're trash talking, well, if you get somebody who's born again, you can use this scripture. This is a scripture I like to be used to people who like to trash talk. It comes from 1 Kings 20 and verse 11. So the the king of Israel answered and said, Tell him, let not the one who puts on his armor boast like the one who takes it off. That's a favorite scripture of mine. It's not said by a very spiritual man. But it's a great, it's a great uh, thing to say to people, you know. Don't, don't. Uh, when you're putting on your equipment, don't boast like one who took it off and already won. Basically, what he's saying. Anyway, back over here, verse eighteen, verse twenty. I guess we we're, we're up to that one. Then David took all the flocks and herds that had driven before those other livestock and said, "This is David's spoil." Now David came to the two hundred men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they had made to stay in the brook. So they went out to meet meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people and greeted them, then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. They're not producing joy, folks. They They got out of the process. They got selfish. Can't be producing joy when you're selfish. That's what they did. But it says the wicked and worthless men. Now you remember most of the people that came to David were wicked and worthless. But he, he took some of them and made something out of them. Made something substantial out of them. So much so that most of David's uh, uh, people that he had in rulership with him came out of this 600 group of people. And some of them were astounding at the levels of, they came to. Them. I told you before Rambo was made from this movie, from this, uh, these stories of these 300 men. And the things that they did. It was uh, quite incredible. But here's David to the rescue. David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered us, or delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. So it was from that day forward he made a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. So from this day forward they're always going to make sure they have somebody to stay with the supplies. If you stay with the supplies you share in the same spoil as those who went out there to battle. Now when David came to Ziklag he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah to his friends saying here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. To those who were in Bethel those who were in Ramoth of the south those who were in Jatir, those who were in Araf. Eror, those who were in Sifmoth, those who were in Eshtamal, those who were in Raquel, those who were in the cities of the Jeharmelites, those who were in the cities of the Kenites, those who were, who were in Horma. those who were in Korashan, those who were in Atak, those who were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to rove. So he took all the bounty that they got, that God had given them, and he used it and he said, look, you want a winner? <laughs> I'm a winner. I'm a guy who gets things done. Here's, some, uh, here's a present for you. Here's some stuff. This is just a surplus of what we just uh, took here. Uh, if you want a winner, that's me. That's basically what he's doing. He's calling attention to, to himself. I'm a winner, is what he's saying. And, uh, and it made sense to the people, and they listened to it. Because when they decided to go off from Saul, who did they go to? They went to David. Now, how can I get back to producing joy? Let's take a look at this. First off, renew yourself on the promises. I'm putting in parentheses here hope. Renew yourself on God's promises. You never never grow tired of renewing yourself on the promises of God. There are some promises that mean more to you than they may to somebody else. But what are the promises that God has made in his word? And continually renew yourself on them. There may be some promises that God has spoken to you Directly. This is your promise. This is what God has said to you. And you've got to hang on to that. You've got to write that down somewhere. You've got to put that in front of you. You've got to keep renewing yourself on that. Just like David in this, go, pursue, you will recover all. That's a promise he gave to them for that situation. God will give you a promise about your situation, about what you are doing. Hang on to it. Keep going over the promise, not what people are telling you. Not what the news is telling you. Not what people around you are saying. Hang on to what the word has said. If a doctor comes to you and gives you a bad report, hang on to what God has promised you. If your stockbroker gives you a bad report, hang on to what God has told you. And then do whatever. Whenever God says to do something, do it. If God says, move this, fix this, do this, do the thing. Don't ignore what God has said to do. It's important that you, that you follow him on, on that. But keep renewing yourself on the promises of God. This is the huge. You've got to keep renewing yourself on that. Start off in the morning. Renew yourself on the promise of God. Somewhere throughout the day, renew yourself on the promise of God. Before you go to bed, renew yourself on some promises of God. Have hope in it. Put faith in it. You're going to produce joy. If you produce joy, life is going to be better. Here's the second one: persevere. First off, renew yourself on God's promises. Secondly, persevere. Don't waver from what God said. James says, "He who wavers is like you're not going to, you're not going to receive anything from God." Don't waver. Hang on to what God says. The enemy is going to try and get you to waver. He's going. We got to get him off this promise. We got to get. To... Has God really said? Has God really promised? Are you sure God's going to come through on this? He's going to try and get you to waver. If He can get you to waver, He can shake the tree, get you off your joy. Don't let Him get you off your joy. Hang on to the promise. What's the promise of God say? For you. You've got to know. If, you don't, if you're sitting there saying, I don't know what the promise of God said for me. Well, that's why you have no joy in your life. All you have is happiness. When something goes good, you're happy. When something goes bad, you're unhappy. But God wants you to have joy. Everlasting joy. It's different. Get a hold of that. Renew yourself on the promise of God. Persevere. Don't let the enemy pull you off. You got to persevere. You got to be ready. Just know the enemy is going to try and move me off of this thing. I'm not going to let him. Not going to let him do it. Discover the plan of God. Discover God's plan. What is God's plan for you in this situation? How does he want you to attack this thing? If you're looking for a different job, if you're looking for a new job, if you're looking for what to do with your money, if you're looking about a health situation, if you're looking about a family problem, discover God's plan. What has God said? Don't go after man's plan. Go after God's plan. Discover God's plan on this thing. And here's the last one. Work. Put some effort into it. It's not just going to come to you. It's not just going to fall your way. David had the promise. Pursue all will be recovered. So, what did they have to do? They had to pursue. They pursued hard enough that 200 men couldn't continue. And the 400 went on. And then they saw the, the multitude that was there. What did they have to do after that? Pursue. They had to go after it. Let's go. We've got to go down. We've got to fight. They fought the battle. How many men went into the battle? 400 men went into the battle. How many men came out of the battle? 400 men came out of the battle. Isn't that astounding? Almost every time David went into battle before this, he had 600 men go into battle. He had 600 men come out of battle. That's pretty remarkable. Discover God's plan. Work. Put some effort to it. It will be well rewarded. And if you follow the process, if you do as God has said to do, joy will be produced on the inside, which means strength is there at your disposal. And you will have more strength then you need to take on whatever it is you have to do. If you start feeling your, your joy begin to go down, if your joy meter is telling you things are low, you instantly know that means faith and hope are in trouble. I got to get my faith and my hope up. I got my faith and my hope up. What happens to joy? It comes back up. Joy is just one of those, those meters on there. So a lot of times all we want to do is, uh, Father God, give me joy. Father God, give me joy. No, joy is part of a process. You want joy? Get a hold of the promises of God. Build up your hope. Put some faith in it. It will produce joy. That's what it does. It produces joy. Get into the process. Father God, I'm going to follow after this process. I'm going to get some joy back in my life. Glory to God. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you. In your word, you have given us a process to produce, not wait for it to come to us, but to produce in our life joy. Oh, thank you, Father, for that joy. I thank you, Father. We just look forward to the time it just fills up in us as we meditate on your word, as we dwell on your promises, as we allow hope to be built on the inside of us and have faith in that hope. Joy is produced. More joy than we need. And we can become a joy factory sending joy out in all directions because there's more joy than we can hold. Father, we thank you for the joy that is in our life. I thank you, Father, for the good things that come to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Before we leave this morning, we have some prayer requests we want to do. We want to pray for... Come on up. Over here. Uh, enter, we're going to be praying over here. And uh, Anna went to prayer. Anna, come on up here too. We want to pray for you as well. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to chase you off the piano. You can still be ministering. That's, oh, somebody else? Corey. All right. Two people want to prayer. Anna uh, needs healing for chest congestion. She said she had some tests and some x-rays. And um, said it was hard to get rid of, right? Yes. All right. Already now. Not too hard for God, is it? 10 days. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's begin to pray. Father, we just thank you for the healing power of God that is at work in us. In the name of Jesus, chest congestion, we command right now that you leave, that you go. You, it is not difficult to get you out of this body because you don't belong in this body. And God has declared you need to get out. Right now, in the name of Jesus, congestion, you have to go. The faith of God drives you out. Now, in the name of Jesus. Glory to God over to God. No more of that stuff going on in your life. Yes, Don't listen to anybody who says it's tough. It's not tough for God. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> Amen. Wow. Ento is heading out tomorrow for a mission trip. I forgot where you're going to. Nigeria. Nigeria. Niger- Niger- heading out to Nigeria for a missions trip. And coming back in a week? Yes, Monday. Monday, Monday to Monday. Yes. Let's pray for for a good, safe trip out, tri- safe trip back, and great production out there. In the name of Jesus, Father, we just thank you for your hand that follows into every place that she goes. That plane is blessed because her presence is there. That place is blessed because she's coming in. Father, she'll listen to you, follow after your spirit, and do the things that you tell her to do, and success will come. I thank you, Father, for the joy that just flows out of her to all the people that are around her. We give you the praise and the glory for it. She will uplift those on the team. She will uplift those that she's ministering to because of the joy of the Lord on the inside. Father, we thank you for it We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Corey also put a, a request in. Uh, my cousin, Javon, alright, got that one, is uh, battling Crohn's disease and is currently out of work and has, and was hospitalized last night with severe pain. She is a believer and is believing for... Pain relief so she can spend more time with her newborn daughter and return to work soon. Believe me for pain re- relief or healing of the condition? Just pain relief? All right. Well, whatever we can believe for, God is going to do it. It's not going to say, well, you won't believe for the whole thing to go away. Then we're not going to do it. He doesn't do that. God says, what are you believing for? What do you believe I can do? And he'll come and do that. So that's what she can believe for? Glory to God. Glory to- Just make sure whenever you pray for people, don't make people come to your level of faith. Always go to where they are and let God minister to them because Jesus always said, Be it unto you according to your not his faith, your faith. You can't make people come up to your level, but you can step down to theirs. Once they get that accomplished, then God can call them up to a higher level. Father God, we just pray right now for that word of God to work in her life, to build hope, to build that faith that she has. We'll latch hold of that hope. and Father, we thank you for the joy that is in her life. Glory be to your name. As she's asked for and believing for pain relief, Father, I thank you that whatever pain this disease brings, that you will bring relief from that. And as her faith is ministered to in this, oh, she can go on to a higher level and believe for something more. So pain right now, we speak to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you must stop. You cannot continue to produce this pain but she will feel instant relief and an instant change in her body because of what she has called on and what she has asked for and what she believes for from the Word of God. We thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. We have some prayer reports? Oh, I you did. Nope. I was doing prayer request. You did?
1: Okay. Okay, this um, is from... Ethel. She says, my right knee had been giving me issues. As I came in today, I was still feeling it. However, as we began to pray, I felt it give a little bit, so I began to lift it, which was something I wasn't able to do easily. Um, While it is still trying to be difficult, I will not stand for it. I am healed, and this knee is going to line up with the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This one is from Susan. She said, my neighbor fixed a problem in my basement, and he told me his parents have a good washer and dryer. They don't They don't need and would like to get rid of. So they're giving it to her. So we're just believing that God's going to line that plumbing up so it fits. (laughs) Amen. Um, Upside down. Praise God. Vanessa and Keith made settlement on their aunt's house uh, two weeks ago. It was sold uh, within two months and $10,000 over their asking price. Hallelujah. Amen. And I just want to give you I heard um, an update from Jim. He is at Lansdale Hospital. They did. Um, his blood pressure was low. His uh, has an upset stomach, just not feeling well. So they're going to do some blood work, and see what, what's going on there, um, and that's it. Now, Allie, would you want her to give the? Yeah, yeah Allie, would you come here? Um, for those of you who still would like to contribute anything towards the Operation Christmas Box, we are still collecting some things. If if you um, would like to come on, ladies, that. Well, that breakfast the day that we have set aside for breakfast that's when we're actually organizing all of them putting it all together because then Monday I have to take them to uh, the church for distribution okay so it's in there if you'd like to come for that Al
2: hello okay so tomorrow is Halloween night we all know that right Halloween night Woo. the next day is November 1st bring candy yeah, bring candy for Halloween night. We didn't get the box out this year, so if you're coming, bring a bag of candy. We'll divvy it on the kids. Anyway, not why I'm up here. The next day is November 1st, which we all know means Merry Christmas, right? That's just kind of how this goes. So how many of you were here last year for the Christmas show that we put on? Yeah, most of you were here. Most of you were involved on the stage with the kids somehow. We're doing something again this year. Not the same format, not the same type of night, but with the same goals. So how many of you have ever seen Minute to Win It, the game show Minute to Win It with Guy Fieri? Really? Watch that show. How many have ever seen uh, Hollywood Game Night? Let's make a deal. Any of these game shows ring about? How many of you have said, I could totally win that. I could get that. I I would win the grand prize, right? I know. I'm like, (laughs) you're going to lose. I would so be better at this game than this person. Why am I not on the show? Well, we are going to have your opportunity to come and play those games at the Zoe Game Night. It's going to be an opportunity. We're doing the same thing. We're going to, we're, we're advertising right now for families in need to register their children. We're going to buy gifts for their children. That's the draw to bring them in. With a game show format, you guys are going to be playing with them. I hate to say playing against them because we're going to be good little Christians and not try to whoop anybody. We're going to be nice. But you will have the complete opportunity to talk to them, to joke with them, to show them who we are without saying but you have to sit here and watch us first we're all going to do it together every single person who comes in the door is going to have an opportunity to play games to win gift cards to win prizes to win whatever it is we're going to have a huge uh, prize display that kind of covers a bunch of things that means we're bringing in those families those families get to play they get to win prizes along with the presents we're giving their kids but it also means you guys get to invite anybody to come and play it's a real simple way to say, hey, if you love these game shows, come on out. You could win money. You could win prizes. You could win, well, whatever it is. I know it's easier for me to invite someone to that than to invite someone to say, hey, come watch my kid dance for an hour. Like, right? Am I wrong? you all looking at me like I'm crazy. It's going to be a blast. Um, it's also a good way. I know last year we had 17 kids that we bought presents for that were here that night. That's a, that's a lot of kids. That's a lot of families. I think it was about between five families. We we have to put a cap on that. We can't just buy for every child that wants to come, but we don't have to put a cap on those who come that night. So if we run out of room and we, we've got all of our kids taken, all the spaces taken, we can still say, but you can still come out and win for your family. There's going to be a grand prize overnight. We haven't really decided what that is. Maybe some kind of big gift card or I don't know yet, but there's going to be a grand prize. All of these things, we're trying to, to draw them in and bring them in. From there on out, we're going to have games that we play every Sunday too, leading up to Christmas, so they can continue to come and continue to win and that's going to be a continuous draw Um, with that being said we're we're not necessarily asking for for gifts for these kids yet we are having them register this year I know it was difficult with specifics specific sizes, specific colors I like Mickey, I like Donald, whatever to make it a lot easier Um, be in prayer about it be in prayer what you you can provide what your family wants to do if you want to take a whole family or not we're going to need some volunteers just to get people's names as they come in so if you know you want to help Let me know, and I will be able to plan accordingly. (laughs) And again, just be in prayer about getting these families um, that we can bless and how you can be a blessing with us for them. So did I miss anything? No? Okay, cool. Merry almost Christmas.
0: (laughs) All right. This is a good opportunity for us to reach out. Okay. Reach out and grab some other people, bring them on into the church. Uh, y'all been inviting people to coming out. Just church isn't enough, so we're gonna we're finding some other things to do. It's around the Christmas season. This is the time that people are usually thinking about going to church. And December 3rd. But over here we yep, didn't get December 3rd is the game night. It's also up on Facebook. You'll see the, uh, the the game night advertised up on on there. So that's where we're we're shooting for now. Uh, in your bulletin, you saw a couple of things for the for the calendar here for November. Everything for the November is on there. We have moved. I've told many of you that this was going to happen. We have moved the date up for the cover Dish. Cover Dish is going to be two weeks earlier. One week earlier would be over Thanksgiving. It's going to be two weeks earlier. The date is in there. The reason for it is we want to go over a lot of the things we're going to be doing in December with you. One of the things we want to go over with you is Christmas falls on Sunday this year. The last time that happened was about 13 years ago because we skipped one, I think, over the on a, on a leap, leap year. So we want to talk with all you folks. We're going to, If you are here at that meeting, you will have input of whether you want to have a big Saturday night service, bigger than we usually do on a Christmas Eve service, just a big Saturday night service, and stay at home on Sunday morning with your family. That's not unspiritual. Don't think you're going to be looking at you as unspiritual people because you don't want to come out on church on Sunday. Christmas has become a big family time. It's important. We, we enjoy that part. It's fine if there's some folks. No, I want to be on church on Sunday morning. We want to hear about that, and we're going to put that together. I expect that some people are going to want to stay home, and some people are going to come out. We're going to be talking about that at that meeting. So make sure that you're here for that. That's going to be on the what is it? The 20th something in there. We're going to have that. So that'll be our covered dish. We'll have the church meeting. We're going to go over the stuff for Christmas that we're doing. We're going to get you all ready, get everybody on the same page. So that's what's going to go on on that meeting. So we need to move it up in order to accomplish all that and get those things. Uh, going on so that's going to happen there this week's schedule a little bit different Monday tomorrow night hallelujah night already been said bring candy when you come on out seven o'clock oh I forgot to put the address for that if you do not know the address uh, see me on the way out here it is in Chalfant it's a uh, one high point drive I believe is the the address it used to be formerly high point it's now Philadelphia sports club at high point uh, right off of uh county line road uh, if you know how to get to our house it's real close to our house Wonderful facility. We're going to have laser tag. We're going to have uh, volleyball. We're going to have stuff for the little kids. And uh, even if you have no kids, come on out for the fellowship. The whole idea of it is not to be a Halloween substitute. It's to get you out of the house so you don't have to be at home when all that stuff's going on. And we can have some fellowship over top of it. So that's why we're we're there. That's why we're doing it. Uh, If you have little kids, bring them out. If you have friends, bring them out. Let us know. So we can have, know who's who's coming on out. That does, does help us out with that. So that's going to be Monday. No service on Wednesday because we're going to be doing Prayer and Praise Night on Friday night, 730. So no service Wednesday. Prayer and Praise Night on Friday. And then next week, we'll get back into the more of the normal schedule. All right. I think that is everything that we needed to go over with you. Have a great rest of the week. One o'clock today, we have the